We are live. And we're back. October 25th, 2022. Crypto winter, the season in full effect. Break out it's your jackets. Rough, it's a rough crypto winter this time around because I feel like there's a lot more people in the markets. All right. In that light, I agree with you because I was going to say, I feel like as far as like the experience and I guess, you know, um, you know, price reductions and whatnot, I don't feel like it's oh, hurt yeah. as much as. Uh, no, yeah, I was actually. In, uh, oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, just nah, back to compared to the last one. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's funny. Actually, this morning, I. Um, I was looking at my portfolio from the last uh, bear market. Oh, sorry, I'm muted on Discord. I'm muted. Um, I was looking at my portfolio from the last uh, bear market. So we went from bull to bear. And I was just thinking this morning, actually, that there's like such a, like the pain is not even near what it was back then. Um, you know, I, I like legitimately saw my portfolio drop like 95%. Um, so did I. Yeah, because there weren't, um, you know, there weren't stable coins back then. I mean, there were, but like, I mean, it was basically like USDT um, and there weren't any like real use cases for stable coins. So there was like no reason to just like be sitting on a pile of USDT unless you thought the market was just going to keep crashing. And uh, after that initial like bubble burst of Bitcoin hitting 20K and then dropping, um, there was really like, like, I think all of us were just kind of, I, I have like, so I, I basically, I keep like a daily notebook of like everything that's going on, my thoughts. Um, you know, I take a screenshot of my portfolio and throw it in there. So I was just looking at like this day, I'll give you the exact day, actually. Um, I was looking at this day and I was just looking at it and I was like, um, my thoughts on that day were just like, everything was going to shit. Um, I was basically losing everything. So this was January, January 14th, 2019. So I don't, and I don't even, that wasn't even the bottom. So I, there was still plenty more pain to be had, but on that day, I was just writing about how the, uh, you know, how, how bad the winter was. And, um, I was like, you know, it, it was like almost shocking to see your portfolio go down that much. Cause I I've always kind of invested in the stock market and, you know, like I got started when I was in high school. So I was used to like playing with options and, and seeing my portfolio fluctuate a lot, but crypto is like a totally different experience. Cause like you just see a little bit of a winter and, and it, it, you know, tanks your portfolio 90, 95%. That doesn't really happen in the stock market. Um, nope. So it was uh, it was a wild time, but um, you know, without that, my point is, you know, that the, the fact that we have stable coins now, like, you know, we've got HBD and, um, you know, BUSD and USDT and USDC, um, and, and there's actual use cases for them. So there's a reason to hold them because you can earn yield. So like right now I have a bunch of money sitting in uh, PHBD, uh, USDC and BHBD, BUSD uh, in those two pools. Um, and those are just a great way for me to just sit on stable coins and, and earn yield, like, like earning like 27% APY right now on the BHBD. So there's like, you know, the fact that that didn't exist before is a, is a big reason why the portfolio, you know, my portfolio saw such a big drop uh, back then. Whereas now in this bear market, I've definitely seen a drop. It definitely hurts. The, you know, the, the yields that I was earning aren't nearly as high. And then obviously <laughs> the value of my portfolio has tanked and 
and naturally I hold a lot of, uh, a lot of my portfolio in, in, you know, Leo poly cub and cub. Um, and especially the poly cub part of that has, has really been hurting. So, um, you know, this bear market has, has definitely hit hard, but nothing like the last bear market. That was, that was like a treacherous time, um, to be in crypto. And, and that's why I feel like the people who've been around since that bear market, um, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's kind of, you feel the bear market, but it's nothing like what you've experienced before. So it, it kind of almost feels mild, even though you see a lot of other people like screaming, you know, screaming that it's like bloody murder. Um, yeah. No, I, interesting. Mean, I see that personally, even though I'll openly admit, I think I did a shit job this time around. Um, considering more so uh, lack of organization and paying attention <laughs> than anything. <clears throat> but uh, yeah. Like you said, back in like 2019, yeah, I was down. My portfolio was down like 90% also. This time around, it's like 50%. Right. Even though there's cryptos that are, you know, down more than that. So, <clears throat> and I mean, I honestly, I really did no selling, you know, towards the top. It's just the difference. Like you said, now there were stable coins and I had a good chunk. You know, I had like a third of my portfolio just sitting in stable coins, staked earning yields. Because I'm like, sweet, I can now have different aspects of, you know, like an actual portfolio now right. and the fact that i can earn yield sitting on stables gives me some diversification you know at a risk well as long as I, as long as you weren't in ust otherwise <laughs> oops yeah. sorry i had uh my notorious trade um i was uh i was talking to one of the founders of this protocol called called orion um and i got into like the early seed launch of it and uh uh, the way it works is that you you stake stable coins on there. So you stake um, you could stake actually any stable coin. So like I did USDC on on uh, Ethereum, but then on their back end they converted it to UST and staked it on Anchor for twenty percent yield, and um, I ended up putting like one hundred and fifty thousand worth of stable coins in there. And then um, the uh, you know time went by, and I think I left it in there for about six months. And then sometime early this year, I had actually I pulled the majority of it out. Like, like I left like maybe three or 4,000 in there just because I wanted to leave something in, but not a lot. Um, just some, some small measurable amount. Um, and, uh, and then when the whole UST thing blew up, obviously this whole Orion protocol blew up and all the deposits suddenly became like, I was watching like the three or 4,000 I left in there become like three, three or $400. And now I don't even think you can pull money out of it. Um, so it's just crazy. Um, I would have never, I would have actually never really guessed that that was going to happen, but I'm glad I, I'm glad I pulled it. And I actually, I actually owe the, you know, I actually owe that to HBD, believe it or not, because when, when the HBD rate went to 20%, um, you know, I, I saw it as like a really good potential to just move away from something that I don't understand as much, which is Luna UST and move into something that I understand a lot more, which is HBD. So, um, I, I have, uh, I have $150,000 extra that I can, that I can credibly say is thanks to HBD. Um, and, uh, and now I hold a lot more in HBD. I, I try to convert <clears throat> more stable coins into HBD on like a daily basis. It's super hard though. Um, so, you know, I, I end up getting a few hundred more HBD every single day, but it's, it's very difficult uh, to buy in size, which is why obviously why BHBD and PHBD have become such a big focus uh, for me. Yeah, I mean, and the returns on those awesome. I 
again, this goes back to like procrastination and lack of organization, I guess. But, you know, I have a good chunk sitting in the stable, just the regular stables uh, on Polycub. And it's like, why do I not have those in like PHVD or BHVD <coughs> earning, you know, three times, four times the yield? So it's been on my to-do list. And three, four weeks later, I still haven't to-do'd it. Um, maybe I'll start messing with that tomorrow when I have I guess, some free time. Although, you know, the other piece of that too is, you know, liquidity and, uh, you know, trying to move big chunks um, into HBD is easier said than done, um, as you even right. know personally. So I'll start uh, pecking away at that myself to diversify, so to speak, within stable coins, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, the UST situation really taught us that we need to hold a, a variety of stable coins. You won't be safe in any single stable coin, in my opinion, whether that's yeah, regulation I mean, or, yeah. um, you know. Yeah, well, and it goes back, well, you know what, I'm going to quote the infamous mixed spreadsheet. And he once said, concentrated bets are for making money. Diversification is for keeping money. Right. And it's true. And like, you know what, anyone that was, you know, kind of in the Terra Luna ecosystem early and went hard, you know, made a shitload of money. But, you know, if they didn't diversify out, you know, out into other aspects and other things after they made all that money, they got owned and lost it all. And generally, you don't see that happen often because that's what made them the money. So like you become, you know, a max, a maxi. And then that's, you know, all said and all well and good uh, until something blows up. So, um, I actually, uh, I actually used that line on stage uh, this weekend. The concentrated nice. bets, because uh, it's something that's you know really hit me. Because you know I've always been so good at diversifying that I've muted I think my returns, um, and you know don't hit those big home runs because I don't really have the size because I'm so diversified. Instead of being kind of just maybe a maximalist for periods of time in promising things, but yeah. It's uh, it's definitely smart, especially with the algo stables, because mm -hmm. those are still an experiment. And yeah, HVD has been performing well, but that's also because it's freaking tiny and barely has an audience. Um, you know, if that was able to blow up, so to speak, the way um, popularity, the way that you know, UST did, then then we'd really see. You know, there's the quote unquote stress test. Right. Yeah. So, well, the thing is. Um you know, HBD, HBD really has a lot of things going for it that make it a lot better than UST. Obviously, that oh, doesn't make it immune. No, nothing's ever immune to blow up risk. Yeah. At anything you look at, USDT, USDC, even Bitcoin has blow up risk. Um, everything, everything has some degree of blow up risk. It's more just about how, how large or small that blow up risk is. Um, but HBD, you know, that debt ceiling and the way that it works with Hive is, is just super interesting. Um, and, and it's a big reason the, like one of the big reasons why Luna and UST blew up is just that that debt just continued to grow and grow and grow. And then the risk of death spiral, uh, quickly became apparent, which is why Doquan started taking money and putting it into Bitcoin and saying that the Bitcoin was backing UST. Mm -hmm. Um, but clearly that wasn't enough. I mean, that, that they had no, basically no debt limit. So, um, you know, when, when it started to spiral downwards, it was a, it was a very quick death, um. Whereas with HBD, um, and you know, I love tracking, um, I love tracking on this 
uh, site by Osbit Dev. Uh, um, but you can you can basically track the the HBD market cap and the Hive market cap, and it shows you the debt limit. Uh, that's so sweet. Like right now, what's that? I said that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. So that? the the uh, the HBD market cap right now is four point four percent of the Hive market cap. Oh, yeah. So that and, and the way HBD works is that it's just a debt instrument on Hive. So um, you know, one HBD basically represents one dollar worth of debt uh, to the Hive ecosystem. So if that debt doesn't grow too large, then there's no blow up risk, or at least the blow up risk is small unless the debt were to were to quickly increase. Um, but that debt is so tiny. I mean, it's four point four percent. And it doesn't grow very much. So there's, you know, there's 9.3 million HBD out there. Um, and, and, you know, that's obviously the, the Hive market cap right now is 209 million. So as Hive grows, HBD's market potential market cap can keep growing. Um, as the Hive price maybe declines, the potential debt that the Hive ecosystem can have declines as well. Uh, so it kind of creates this really nice equalizing system. Um, the other interesting thing um, is that the the DAO doesn't uh, count towards the HPD uh, debt limit. So, um, you know, the reason for that is that money basically can't flow out of the DAO. It's um, except for the programmatic schedule um, of, you know, like the proposals that get paid out. So there's basically a programmatic schedule for the HPD coming out of the DAO. So you don't need to include it in that in that debt ceiling. Um, so yeah, HPD, HPD is super interesting. This is why I think you know, a lot more people will focus on it in the long run. And a big reason why, you know, we've taken Cub and Polycub and completely changed the direction uh, to focus very heavily on Hive and HBD. Um, it's it's a lot, a lot of it is for this new focus on HBD that the actual Hive ecosystem has. And then a lot of it is for um, basically realizing that there's no good exchange for, for Hive and HBD. Um, you know, Binance has Hive, which is obviously the best exchange. Uh, for Hive right now, the deposits for Binance have been offline for two weeks because of the oh. last hard fork. Um, so people who want to move Hive and HBD around are, are really struggling right now. Um, and this is just showing us the growing need for decentralized exchanges and derivatives. So, you know, what PHBD, PHive, BHBD and BHive offer is simply a derivative uh, for Hive and HBD that that gives you another another route or another avenue in and out of Hive and HBD. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the importance of that is really underrated. Um, it, it's very important that we kind of decentralize liquidity because Hive is, and I've tweeted about this, but Hive is, you know, one of the best blockchains out there in terms of decentralization. Um, and like I always say, decentralization is on a spectrum. So some, you know, nothing is 100% decentralized. Everything lives on this spectrum. Um, but I would say, you know, Hive is up there with something like a Bitcoin in terms of decentralization. They're not, they're not perfectly decentralized, but they're also far more decentralized than most crypto projects, um, you know, vastly more decentralized. The problem is that liquidity for Hive is still very centralized, whereas liquidity for Bitcoin is very decentralized. There's plenty of DEXs. You have plenty of derivatives like WBTC that have a lot of adoption. Um, and then you've got obviously a plethora of centralized exchanges that that have Bitcoin listed. Um, Hive does not have that. And HBD definitely doesn't have that. I think HBD is on one centralized exchange. Hive is maybe on like three or four um, that are that are you know noteworthy. Um, so you yeah. know this this idea of DEXs is, is just growing and growing in importance. And uh, I really hope that we can focus 
uh, as, as a community and, and build up the BHBD Beehive and PHBD Beehive um, liquidity. Because if we can, you know, selfishly, if we can draw a lot of trading volume to, our, to ourselves, we can build Cub and Polycub into like really successful derivatives platforms. And unselfishly, unselfishly, if we build the uh, the liquidity there, then we can build uh, decentralized liquidity for Hive and HPD, which is amazing for the Hive ecosystem. So we kind of have that that duality there that that is really important. And that's what it is: there's an opportunity, right, to kind of build our own ecosystem, create enough size in that instead of like constantly thinking about, all right, how can we, you know leverage centralized exchanges to get more liquidity or, you know, just outside sources. It's just like organically build from within. AKA keep onboarding. Keep onboarding. Speaking of onboarding, uh, we just released a new threads update uh, this morning. Nice. Um, if you've posted any threads, you've, you've already seen the update, but now there's a little pencil icon uh, to the right of the upvote icon. Uh, and that pencil only shows on your own threads um, that you've posted. So um, what what that does is obviously if you click it, I'm gonna post a screenshot. Um, if you click that pencil icon, it lets you edit a thread that you've already posted. Um, so it, it opens up like this really nice editor right, right in line with everything else. Um, and this is a feature that has been requested on Twitter for ages. I mean, basically since the start of the platform and there's a variety of reasons why Twitter hasn't done it, but Elon has, uh, has tweeted several times that he wants to bring the edit button back. He did a poll and said, and you know, most people voted that they wanted the edit button. Um, so uh, now if you, I think if you have Twitter, it's called like Twitter blue or something, uh, which is basically like a premium version of Twitter. You can, you can have an edit button, but any normal Twitter user doesn't have it. Um, so threads has beaten Twitter to the, to the punch. And, uh, now we've got an edit button. So if you post a thread and like, let's just say there's a typo or you want to, you know, change something with the image that you included or whatever, uh, you can just edit it. And then, um, it, it updates immediately on the threads UI. And then within, I'd say within about 30 seconds, you can go to other hive UIs, uh, like peak D and view the thread and it will update there. So, you know, on our UI, it's instant, but on the, you know, in terms of, in terms of other UIs reading the blockchain, it might take about 30 seconds. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And, and the cool thing about being on a blockchain is that, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest, I would say, uh, rebuttals to adding an edit button to Twitter was that people didn't want other people to be able to edit their tweets. It's supposed to be like a natural conversation where you can't just take back something. You can't just edit, undo something you said. And then also if you retweet someone else and they edited it, you don't know what you're retweeting anymore. Um, but what's cool about being on a blockchain is that there is a immutable record of what that thread initially said. So if you post a thread and you say yes, like just keeping it super simple, and then, you know, an hour later, you edit that thread to say no. Um, on the front end, it will say no, but then it will have a little edited thing uh, at the top. On the back end, though, if you go to the blockchain level, you can look up the history of that thread. So if you look up the initial thread that was posted, you can see yes. So someone can change what it says on the front end, but it will indicate that it's been edited. And then... Um, on the back end, if you go through it, you can find the whole history on the blockchain because obviously everything on the blockchain always remains on the blockchain. So if you post, 
yes, and then change it, you know, 10 blocks later to know that first block where you posted yes still exists. You can still find that block. But then when you said no, it'll show that in the 10th block, just for an example. Um, but yeah, that's just another crazy cool use case of blockchain is that immutable uh, ledger of, of data. Um, so yeah, we can make it so you can edit stuff on the front end, but on the back end, it lives forever. So that's a cool little feature though. So basically yeah. someone just hits the little pencil and edits whatever they want to fix. Exactly. My FreeBD said, but if you edit it, will it say it is edited thread, right? That is actually yep. a good question. Yeah. Right. So just like with blog, with the posts, with the blog posts. <clears throat> Makes yep, exactly sense. like a blog post. Sweetness. Yes, because what happens on the blockchain stays on the blockchain. It is not, it is not Las Vegas. Sorry. Yep. It's not like Vegas. Speaking of Vegas, Leo Khan, uh -huh. Vegas. Yep, one day, one let's, day. Let's do it. Actually, well, that or, Vegas or Miami. Cat <laughs> will travel to either. Nice. I see Flowey is in the house. Long time no see. We call him Flowey, but is that really how you pronounce it? I'm always like fly. Yeah, waiting for and he was waiting for images. So on threads. So win-win. Yep. Threads has images. We also <laughs> have uh, an image carousel, which I don't think a lot of people have realized yet. Um, what? Yeah. So if you post multiple images, the reason why most people haven't noticed is because, and this is coming in one of the next updates. Um is that when you post a link, it actually includes it in the character count right now. So you can't, it's it's pretty hard to post more than like four or five images unless you use like a link shortener. Um, so in the Sooniverse, uh, links won't count towards your 240 <laughs> character count. So we haven't heard that in so long. The Sooniverse, <laughs> is, that term has been sleeping. I guess because so many things have just been popping off. People mm -hmm. stopped at the winds. We've been uh. keeping the winds at bay. I'm sorry, um, continue. Characters. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, in the Sooniverse, when that update goes live, you'll be able to post, say, like three to five links or 10 links, and it won't count towards your character account. I think what we're going to do, though, our, our plan is we don't want people to be able to just spam links. So what we're going to do is have a separate character count for links. So, for example, you can post 240 characters, and this is what Twitter does. You can post 240 characters of actual characters, and then... For example, you might have an extra 240 characters just for links only. So you could, for example, post 240 characters of a description and then post like three to four links that are up to 240 characters as well. So that will make that image carousel feature a lot more usable um, where you could post, say, four images. Like if you post four images on Twitter, you can do that and then they'll all show next to each other. Um, I think our implementation is actually better than Twitter's in that regard because Twitter kind of shows it in like this gallery view and we've got like an actual scrollable uh carousel so uh pretty excited about that noise the universe is ever expanding you got that yes. right there is kind of multitask here with the uh, recap the ability for carousel photo 
Carousel, a word that I can never ever spell right for some reason. All right, I will go back to that and fix it later. On uh, threads. Um, yeah, so we've got coolness. that just rolled out this morning. Um, and uh, and yeah, we got a, we got a bunch of really cool updates coming for threads. Obviously, we're always always building it. Um, and then we announced it, uh, I think, two AMAs ago. We've kind of been talking about it loosely since then. Um, but we have uh, we have begun our development of the new Leo UI. So uh, we are rebuilding the Leo UI from scratch. Essentially, obviously, the back end we can keep, uh, but but the front end we're we're going back to the drawing board rewriting everything from scratch. And uh, this provides us a very unique opportunity um, to do things a lot better than they were done before. Because um, Leo Finance, I, I think we started building the current UI about two and a half years ago, something like that. Um, and Leo Finance has evolved in a, lot of, in a lot of really awesome ways since then. You know, we have things like curated feed, uh, we have the community pages, we have threads, which is obviously the biggest one, uh, notifications, um, all sorts of stuff. Um, and all these updates kind of get Frankenstein together when you start, when you basically, when you release a UI and then you start adding stuff to it, you kind of Frankenstein things together. And I think it's valuable every you know few years to come back to the drawing board and say, you know, we've built all these amazing features, but now it's time to kind of go back to the drawing board and build it, build a UI from the ground up, having all of those features built in from the beginning, uh, which kind of gives you a better cohesive experience. Um, so the new Leo UI, and I will give you a little, uh, I'll give you a very, very small teaser, uh, but the new Leo UI will focus intensely on threads. Um, here, here's your teaser in Discord. Uh, the new U Leo UI looks a lot like Twitter um, and it focuses very, very intensely on threads. Threads will be the first thing you see when you come to the UI. And it's very important because I think that onboarding people and having a user experience that is identical or very similar to Twitter is the, the key to growth. So um, if we can onboard people by giving them a Twitter experience on the front end and then incorporating the long form blog posts into that experience, um, I, think we can, I think we can really you know, 10X or 100X our monthly active users. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so it's, you know, the UI is starting to come together. Um, the screenshot I posted is is what it looks like as of right now. So uh, it's really starting to come together. Obviously, all the back end work that we've done uh, gets to uh, gets to live on. So you know all the stuff, um, all, all the stuff that we've built for Threads, all the uh, Leo Lightning work, all the Leo Infra work, all that stuff gets to port over to the new UI. But we get to rebuild the front end from scratch, and I think that's super fun. Um, Speaking I'm very of, so excited to see what happens with. Uh, in terms of onboarding, I think we can onboard a lot more people if it looks like Twitter. Interesting. I mean, I don't disagree with that. At the same time, I also look at the kind of creating your own brand, so to speak. But um, you're definitely not wrong about that. You know. Yeah, that you know that being said, that it, replicating that it what works is always like a great Twitter. idea. Yeah, that being said, that it looks a lot like Twitter. It it won't just only feel like you're using Twitter. You know, it'll still feel like Leo Finance. You'll still have community pages. 
Um, you'll still have blog posts incorporated in. Twitter obviously doesn't really have blog posts. Um, you'll still have upvotes. You'll still have your wallet. So, you know, at, at the same time, when you first glance at it, you'll be like, oh, this looks like Twitter. And then as you dive deeper, you'll start to realize that it's like Twitter, where you could post tweets and threads um, and microblogs. But then it also has that, that aspect where you can write long form blog posts. Um, you can basically expand on threads and then link it in. Um, and, you know, I would say the really, the really hard part in designing this new UI has been figuring out how to uh, make the experience of long form content and short form content uh, very cohesive and, and kind of live in the same ecosystem. Because, you know, it, if you look at Twitter, just imagine if like every other tweet, there was just like a long form blog post um, where like if you clicked on it, it wasn't actually a tweet. That experience would feel kind of clunky. It wouldn't, it wouldn't exactly feel right. So we have to be very mindful about how the experience is from switching off between micro and, and long form content. Um, and uh, I, think we've, I think we've hit on a really cool design in terms of how that's incorporated. Um, so I, I'm excited to start kind of getting feedback on it. And uh, like I've said a few times, I think we'll have the alpha version out in the next uh, 60 days. Um, so, so hopefully you'll, you'll be able to go to an alpha version of the UI in the next 60 days and start playing around with it and give us a lot of feedback um, on it. Uh, and then hopefully within the next like three to four months, we'll have that, we'll actually replace the current UI with the new UI. So they'll, they'll live together for about one or two months and then we'll eventually fully replace it. Um, so exciting times. Absolutely. So speaking of the UI, um, what's up with the UI contest? Did that thing come to a conclusion or is that still running or? Currently still running. I've seen a few entrants, but there, there hasn't been a lot of entries. I think it's kind of a daunting task for a lot of people. Um, oh, I tried absolutely. to make it open by saying that you could just design one element, for example, and then we'll still send you um, some Leo. Um, if you just were to say like, hey, I think the publishing page should look like this. You don't actually have to go through and redesign the whole UI, uh, which is obviously a lot of work. Um, so yeah, if you if you have any input and just want to make you know a quick post with any sort of input you have uh, on the on the new UI, some things you might like to see, um, some elements that you think could be better designed, like maybe you think the threads uh, component, you know, like like that that square the thread component, uh, maybe you think that it could be designed better, maybe you think that certain things could be put in different places. Um, you know, we're open to all of those suggestions. So, uh, yeah, there's still, there's still time. If you post post, I think that the, the tag that you need to use when in your post is uh, hashtag redesign. So when you, when you make your post, just make sure you include redesign in your tags and then uh, we'll see them and uh, we'll be giving out Leo and we'll, and we'll probably keep doing that. So like just post whenever you can post. And we'll, we'll just keep sending, you know, some Leo to people if, if your suggestion makes it into the new UI. Um, so really no time limit to that. I just, I, I want to see as much feedback as possible uh, as we build it. But the redesign has been, um, like I said, the redesign has been difficult, but we, we've got something really cool um, built right now. And, and we keep kind of changing things and adding things. Um, and that, that the difficult part is, again, that creating that cohesive bond between micro and long form content uh, is, is a little bit difficult, but, but we've, you know, we've made some really good progress on it. 
It's definitely a tough balance to have kind of like that hybrid. Cause if you think about it, you know, that's what's really doing that, you know, it's like you have Twitter, you have Reddit. Um, and then you have things like seeking alpha and it's just like, it's kind of one or the other. It's not both, but, right. um, you know, obviously Leo finance started as long form and it's, you know, moving towards short form, but like you've said in the past, there's always a place for long form. There's always people that are going to be doing it, people that want it. Um, so if an environment can exist where both are an option, but the user experience is still seamless, then I think that has the ability to get, you know, traction and become pretty popular. All right. I'm yeah, I think, uh, I think the short, like I said, I think the short form is a really great engagement tool and a really great way to onboard new users because they're familiar with that experience. And obviously, you know, when you, when you look at the masses, what do they want? They want, <coughs> excuse me, they want quick, um, concise information. Uh, that's why Twitter has exploded. That's why TikTok has exploded. That's why, you know, Instagram has exploded. There's a reason why people love short form content and it gets straight to the point. And, um, you know, I think it's vital that we use that as kind of our, you know, our front room showcase. And then as they come in uh, to that front room, they start to see, oh, there's also long form content. Um, maybe they follow, you know, like, let's, let's make a good example out of this. Maybe, maybe they see a lot of threads coming out from Taskmaster uh, about various, you know, economic topics. And then in one of Taskmaster's threads, they see, you know, a link at the bottom uh, where it's talking about economics and it's something they're interested in. They're talking about, like, let's just say he makes a post about the, um, you know, uh, I've seen him make a post about real estate and, um, you know, basically tiny homes getting built uh, with mass production scale. And he's mm -hmm. written articles about that. So like, let's just say he posts a thread then with a link to that article talking about that. And let's just say, you know, a new user comes in and they're reading the threads and they're, they see Taskmaster a couple of times, they get familiar with him. And then they're like, oh, there's also an article here. Maybe I want to go dive in deep about this because I really care about it. Then they just click the link and now they're reading, you know, a thousand word blog posts about that topic. Um, I think that's really cool. It's, it, it gives you like a whole new, it gives you like a whole new lens into that author. And now you're, you know, like, let's say you read that article and, and you really love that article. Now, every time you use threads and you see Taskmaster, you're probably a lot more engaged with his threads and his articles because uh, you've, you've figured out that you have a lot of ideas that align with his. So it creates some really cool dynamics to have both in the same place. And then the community pages is something that I haven't really touched on, but the, the community pages are getting a full redesign uh, and they'll have threads and long form together on each community page. So take Splinterlands as an example. Anyone who loves talking about Splinterlands, they love reading about Splinterlands, they'll be able to go to that new Splinterlands community page and see only threads related to Splinterlands and only posts related to Splinterlands in the same place. And, you know, they can engage in that community. That community has its own moderators who can kind of uh, remove content that's irrelevant or uh, uh, basically upvote up the ranks content that is highly relevant. Um, and so far on the current UI, Splinterlands is the most active uh, community page. I, th I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, um, but there's three moderators right now. And, uh, and you kind of see that start. That's, that's a very, the current community pages are very MVP. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to roll them out and see how people liked them, see how people used them. And then now with the new UI, we can kind of take what we've, what we've seen from that 
and, and make the experience a lot better. Um, and then obviously with this whole shift in focus to microblogging, um, I think I think we can do something really cool with these with these community pages. Cool stuff, cool stuff. Trying to keep up here on the recap post. Multitask elsewhere. That docs flying in, trying to close a little real estate deal. Um, what do we got? No, I'm just trying to see if there's any questions. I don't have because I'm got my draft up uh, for the post. I do not have the threads. Uh, up for the uh, AMA. So if there's any questions in there, I have not seen them. I don't know if you're looking at that. What is Flory saying? No, I have a account idea of mine. Mates are supposed to be posting on threads. Go to old boys at blue, post meet. Web3 on Hive. That is a lot to read, but something worth looking at, I guess. What do we got? X poly lock divided by X poly supply. OS Man, these are some long form questions. <laughs> My free BT is talking about X poly, which is good. Uh, we can use that as a transition into, uh, you know, the DeFi platforms. So, I will read this long form question. Are you reading something right now, Cal? It looks like you're reading something. Yeah. Um, I was just reading Flowey's, uh, Flowey's uh, uh, message in Discord. Sorry, I'm mm. like reading multiple things. Um, yeah, that's interesting. He was just, he's actually not, it's not about what the content is. Um, he's actually just saying that, um, you know, finding reposts of what, developers are saying across Discord on threads is a really cool use case, uh, which is something that Neil McSpreadsheet would would probably talk about if he were here, um, which is that, you know, he was always saying that that Project Blank might be able to replace a lot of the Discord chatter uh, that goes on. So a lot of the chatter that we have in general chat, for example. Um, so I think uh, I think it's I think it's, it is a really cool use case that like, for example, if you see like like what Flo is putting here is that Yaba P Matt was talking about something related to Splinterlands um, in Discord. And then someone else uh, named Blue Post took that, took a screenshot of what Yaba P. Matt said and then posted it as an image on threads. And then Flowey actually found that, uh, that you know, Yaba P. Matt message through threads because he might've missed it on Discord or whatever. Um, that is a really cool use case where you can see a lot of Discord chatter uh, actually just getting cross-posted to threads. Um, yeah, I'd love to see more of that. More of that. Um, cause if I'm being completely honest, there's pretty much one discord server that I'm in. I, I really don't look at any other ones. Uh, and that is the, the Leo finance discord. So, um, you know, I, I'm invested in Splinterlands. I care about Splinterlands. I don't have a lot of time to keep up with it. Um, so seeing, you know, Yaba P Matt or Agro's messages posted in threads would be, would be a huge help. Cause I probably would miss it in, in discord, to be honest. Indeed. Um, I think I'm going to tag my free BTC as the unofficial project manager. He seems to always have stuff that's on point about like, this should be happening at this time. 
<laughs> so uh, he's talking about the X poly locked divided by X poly supply being at 1.016. So what is it? The last trans transfer function executed 69 days ago. Uh, that is a transfer. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it should be rising 0.167 every month. Putting X poly into the vault 68 days ago or today would yield you exactly the same result. That is definitely got a little more technical aspect to it than I thought it would. Yeah, let me. Uh, I'll let you read let that one. Let, let's also say that Bitcoin just hit 20K. It's up 4% today. Bounce, still bouncing around its little range. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not waking up until I see it essentially down at 17 or up like at 26. Then at that point, I'll take a look and decide if there's anything for me to do. But while it's still in that range, especially this like 18 to 21 range, that's just like complete snooze fest. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll celebrate 70K also. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see 70K. That would solve a lot of problems. Wow. Um, shit. We will see 70K. It's just a matter of when. And I'm not right. going to celebrate 70K because 70K is going to mean we just took out the all time high. And I don't think that 70K would be it after we take out 63. So I'm looking at like 85 minimum. Yeah. In the Suniverse, Bitcoin is already 70K. There you go. Um, calendar. Put it on the calendar. Um, yeah. So let's jump into Polycup because uh, there was some chatter in Discord general. I saw some last night, uh, but didn't really have time to reply because um, we were working on threads. Uh, and then I saw it again this morning. Um, so we've been talking about it for a few weeks now, but there's a, a new Polycup improvement proposal out. So if you haven't read it yet, uh, please go read it. Um, I've only seen about 15 people vote for it so far, so there hasn't been a lot of uh, participation yet. But typically, what happens is a lot of people wait till the last two or three days to vote. Mm, um, yes. I don't even, I don't even know how many days are left. I don't think there's very many. Let me check. That's right. We talked about that right before we went live, and I wasn't even aware. So yeah, can you? Are you able to drop? Oh, is there? Yeah, there's the governance go page. On the yeah. So hit the governance page, scroll all the way to the bottom. You'll see the pips section, um, and then you'll live see voting. three live voting. Um, Logging in now. So okay, yeah. So voting ends. I, I think we gave you two weeks for this vote. So voting ends in two days now. Um, so if you haven't voted yet, please go over there and uh, and click learn. I, I highly recommend clicking learn more and then uh, voting after you read uh, the docs. Um, I want to add some more information to the docs too. Um, I, I was pushing the team to get me some charts, uh, but we'll see. Um, but anyways, the there's only two options, technically three, to vote for this. The third one is just to abstain and, and not vote. You can either not vote or you can click that third option. I'd recommend just not voting to save yourself a transaction fee. Um, but this proposal is probably going to be one of the most important ones on Polycub. Um, the proposal is to either stop the inflation happening or continue the inflation happening schedule, which is to have in every month um, in terms of blocks, which obviously isn't perfect. Um, so, yeah, so what we've seen is, and I'm sure most of you have noticed this, PHBD rose at one point to over 400,000 in liquidity, which was really cool. Uh, the Polycub system made you know over $13,000 in revenue in one month from wrapping fees uh, and arbitrage revenue. Um, and 
Um, that was really awesome to see. And the growth was continuing and continuing. And then suddenly we had one happening hit and then the APYs obviously get cut in half. Then we had the second happening hit and then the APYs got cut in half again. And, uh, you know, now we've had either two or three since then. And the, obviously the yield now for, for deploying liquidity has gotten so low. So the problem with that is that now we've, we've basically cut growth off at the knees. Um, and when, when Polycub was initially started, uh, the idea was we were going to have in and continue to have in, and then eventually the protocol owned liquidity and the multi-token bridge, which obviously came later, but the protocol owned liquidity would be buying back Polycub and using that to distribute yields. But if you run the math on that, the yields will be super low. Um, so in my opinion, and, and you know, after talking to the devs and, and really thinking about this for a long time, um, and then obviously deploying Cub and seeing Cub grow, because now Cub is basically where Polycub was at before the happenings uh, in terms of growth. So there's like almost $700,000 now in Beehive BHBD liquidity uh, in those four Cub pools. Um, so Beehive and BHBD have been doing extremely well. They continue to grow every single day by thousands and thousands of dollars in TVL. Um, and what we want to see is bring that growth back to Polycub because it was really creating a really great environment in terms of Polycub and, uh, you know, price action and uh, buybacks and revenue and the protocol and liquidity was growing. Um, so what we've seen with Cub is that the static inflation model is working extremely well. Cub also has the buyback and burn model, which we could we could bring that to Polycub as well. Uh, later on, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, pit five or six will be about that. Uh, if people want to decide whether or not we should have the buyback and burn model on Polycub as well. Um, but, you know, the, the success that Cub has had, I think really shows us that that static APY is really important. Um, so this proposal is to instill a static APY in for Polycub. And what that means is right now we're at 0.0625 Polycub per block. There's 40,000 polygon blocks per day. Uh, and I posted a bunch of math about this in general. Um, but with 40,000 polycub blocks per day and 0.0625 polycub being minted per block for, uh, reward, for the rewards pool, um, that's about 2,500 polycub per day, which is about 75,000 a month or 900,000 a year. And the hard cap for polycub supply is 26 million polycub. So no matter what, the literally it cannot change unless we were to redeploy all the contracts and migrate everything over, which is not going to happen. Um, the hard cap of Polycub that can ever exist is 26 million. It's the same as like, for example, with Bitcoin, only 21 million can ever exist. You literally cannot mint more than 21 million. So with Polycub, it's the same. You can't go over that 26 million hard cap. Um, and we set that in as kind of a backdoor in case we wanted to do something like this, um, which I which I think has become clear that it's a good idea to do uh, after seeing Cubs success uh, in the last two months. So, um, you know, running the math on that, the current price of Polycub, um, that's $3,750 per month that's being uh, minted for rewards. Because if you take 75,000 Polycub times the current price, that's what you get. Um, the multi-token bridge and the protocol on liquidity is currently earning about five times that amount in monthly revenue. And that's with a very low amount of liquidity now in the multi-token bridge. There's, uh, what's the math on this? So there's only about, there's only about $175,000 in multi-token bridge liquidity now. Uh, the liquidity has dropped off a cliff uh, since the last two happenings. So 
in my in my opinion, um, it, it's important to to kind of reach reach a static level, um, and we're picking a static level that is very low. So 0.0625 per block is a very low amount of inflation, but it's it's just enough where we could actually base off of this and start to increase that 175k slowly. Um, so in my opinion, and obviously it's up to the Vex Polycub and X Polycub holders to vote on this, but after talking to the devs and you know have, forming our own opinions, I think this is extremely important. And uh, I think it's the best thing for Polycub. Um, All right, so I no, I definitely have some questions, but again, I'm like literally trying to listen to you and trying to type and whatever else. So I probably missed little things. So apologies in advance if I have any basic bitch questions. But uh, also just to tie up um, what you were talking about, because this all started with uh, my free PTC asking about the VEX um, ratio. So is that, please don't, so basically he's saying what? This should be a fixed day to get the deposit and raise the VEX P slash XPC ratio. So yeah, so the, the ratio started at one. Right now, the UI is showing 1.0167. Uh, he's saying check the contract, and it's also saying 1.0167. So I need to check. I haven't sat down to check it yet. I'm well, I don't think it's live. even the ratio. I think he's talking about the... Um... <clears throat> yeah, he's the, talking um, about the ratio, because uh, yeah, the ratio is supposed to increase every single day. So, or not every day, every month. Um, so that ratio should be, I think, like one... Okay, I guess he's basically saying the ratio hasn't changed in 69 days. Something. Although I expect yeah. that ratio to move super slow. Right, it will move slow, but he's saying that it hasn't changed on the UI in 69 days. So um, I'm going to, we have a dev meeting right after this. So I'm going to. Okay, because even if, yeah, even with it being super slow, it probably should have at least ticked up in 69 days. Right. So we will look into that. Okay, so yeah, he's saying where we should be based on the math. <clears throat> okay and apparently that's showing that in the small contract not just the ui sweet yeah, i haven't had a chance to pull up the contract but i will after this because i've seen tickets on the fly yeah so so with the way that the dow works is that i basically get a script every morning both for the cub dow and the poly cub dow when they buy cub or poly cub um and i've been seeing the buying every day so uh if this if this is just a front end issue, then it's an easy front end fix. If it's a issue actually with the contract not having the right amount of uh, ratio, then um, obviously there's some sort of bottleneck in the deposits because the buying is happening. So uh, I'll check it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I agree with that last statement he just put in. So people know to deposit XPC on VEXDC before that day. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's just like giving people the opportunity to like maximize and aka game it a little bit but i mean once it's locked it's locked so it doesn't matter so i guess yeah you're better off putting it in at the first of the month let's just say as opposed to like the 15th where you're not really getting any more benefit so that makes yeah, sense yeah the, the intended function is that it, it should happen on a regular basis not once a month um yeah in terms of the full full hike Yeah, so it's almost like a running, like it just, I can't think of the word I'm thinking for some reason, but it's basically like almost like a running ticker and it just is yeah. continuous as opposed to just like once a month it updates to that higher number. 
you're saying like right. technically it should be growing every single day by like tiny little you know fractions exactly that's the intended uh that's how if that's the case then it really doesn't matter when someone would jump in if it's not then yeah it makes a difference yeah whenever the oh. whenever the uh <clears throat> whenever the actual Whenever the actual deposit occurs is when you see basically how much you've participated in, in terms of APY and how much you have yet to participate in. All right. Cool. Well, I mean, like you said, you got a meeting with the devs after this, so um, you can dig in. do something. Yeah. So you can dig in and see what exactly needs to be adjusted. Um, but going back to the inflation vote and whatnot. So by creating a static inflation right um you're and you know i don't know what the ratios are right now so it might not be more it might even be less in the near term but over the long term basically it means more polycarb is going to um hit the circulating supply um as opposed to if we leave things as is right now if we leave things as is um the happenings will keep keep happening and yeah the amount of polycub will be will basically drop off a cliff um and that can be a good thing which initially the, the thought was that it would be a good thing the problem is that we didn't build it we didn't build polycub knowing that we were going to launch phpd and phive from the beginning uh and now that we have bhpd and beehive going and we see this the success that cub is having with that um i think it i think it's completely illogical to stay with the happening schedule and allow PHBD and PHive to kind of drop off. Um, I think it's extremely beneficial that we get back to growing the liquidity in PHBD and PHive. Um, the buyback potential of that is incredible. Um, so that's why this PIP is called ADAPT, um, you know, just loosely with the italic name. Um, it's called ADAPT because I, I do think that we started off with a specific vision in mind but but it is important to adapt when when the market changes when things change you know when polycub launched it was like pre crypto bear market it was also pre you know phbd phive and the whole multi-token bridge development um so i think it's i think this is a highly va valuable thing to do uh to kind of change our tide and, and change our direction uh but like i said vex polycub and x polycub holders ultimately can make the decision but um you know, I, I think I think in the docs I made the team stance pretty clear uh, after we talked to all the devs and made a concerted effort to to really think about what the future of Polycub looks like. I guess I'm like just blanking on some basic information. And again, like I said, I was multitasking, so I'm probably sure you said it, but I'm just thinking about I'm starting from a base just economic standpoint of like supply and demand and like, you know. To me, less supply is usually a positive, um, but that could be like a scarcity way to look at it. Um, so why is it that the current setup impacts PHVD, like the yields on those like in a negative way? I missed that part. Sorry, say that one more time. Because I'm just assuming like, you know, if the supply just keeps getting choked off, that all that's going to do is create a higher price on Polycub, which will help the yields take care of themselves. That would be, but you know, that's not 
doesn't that's not that necessarily the case i think i think growing phbd and phive is extremely important and like tap yeah taskmaster just said it perfectly you need some level of inflation for growth and it okay. does get often overlooked that everyone wants to see complete deflationary uh supplies and i do think people like addicted and a few others were even i, I think yeah matt made a message a long time ago talking about cutting the inflation not actually being a beneficial thing once gotcha. you get to a certain point i think it's good to cut the inflation you know to a manageable level like i think i think you know maybe this is a good time to just go back and, and say some things that we did wrong with polycub that i think we could have done a lot better you know with the benefit of hindsight um, we started with a super high inflationary rate and we dropped that inflationary rate uh, every single week at first and then every month after that. And I think the problem with that was that we started with super high inflation and that let a lot of people just come in and soak up a lot of polycub really early. Uh, and, and, you know, those people tended not to be, you know, adamant about the platform long term. So all that polycub basically got soaked up early and now it's been sold off the market, which is why the price of polycub literally dropped off a cliff. Um, and I think that, I think that is, uh, I think that is like a really important experiment to understand and look back on, um, because what I think would have been better, and this is what Addicted and others have said, is that what we should have done is have a variable inflation rate, where we said, okay, we want all of these pools to have a roughly, you know, fifteen to twenty-five percent APY, enough APY to attract capital, but not so much APY that we're just giving away free money which I think is what we did in the beginning where the platform had like 2000% APY. Um, so that was, a, that was a big mistake. I think we could have done a lot better on that front. Um, and obviously if we had PHBD and PHive live uh, at the beginning of the platform, I think we could have attracted a lot of capital and we could have kept that capital in the system for a really long time. Um, the problem is it took us too long to develop the multi-token bridge. We had that early inflationary setup where the, with the happenings dropping off every month. Um, instead of having kind of this variable set up from the beginning. So, um, you know, knowing that now, I think it's important that we have a small amount of inflation, which is just enough to basically pay people to put PHBD and PHive into liquidity pools. So right now, there, like I said, there's about 175,000 in liquidity. Um, at one point we were, we were pushing, you know, almost 500K in just the PHBD pool. And I think total was almost a million. Um, in, in terms of multi-token bridge TVL. So I think it's, I think it's really important that we keep a small amount of inflation that can keep that 175 K because that, that 175 keeps dropping off every month because of the, the happenings. So, you know, last month it was probably like 250 K this month, it's 175 K. So what we should do is base off at these APYs. It seems like capital is willing to sit at these APYs and then if the price were to increase, like let's say that the price of Polycub doubles, it's five cents right now, let's say it goes to 10 cents, the APYs will double without the inflation changing. So I think what, and, and, and like I said, at current prices, the multi-token bridge and the protocol and liquidity is earning five times what the monthly inflation print is in terms of dollar value. So even if the Polycub price doubles from month to month, like from this month to next month, um, the the protocol and liquidity of multi-token bridge can buy back more than it's even paying out. Um, so I think that's valuable. And I think what my free BTC is saying right now is, is an important point, which is we could use some of the monthly revenue to boost APYs um, instead of relying 100% on inflation. I think that's a good point. So what I think we should do, 
And what's kind of baked into that proposal is, you know, you have the VEX Polycub deposits, which boosts the APYs to a degree because obviously the, the Dow is buying and propping up the price. That's why I think the price is kind of flatlined at five cents. Um, but what I think we can do is since, since the multi-token bridge and the protocol and liquidity is earning so much more than is needed for VEX Polycub deposits. So do some quick live math. Um, the VEX Polycub vault needs to make uh, $2,000 per month. So $2,000 per month needs to be bought back on the market from the Polycub DAO and deploy into that VEX Polycub vault um, every single month. And we're talking about leaving the inflation print at 0.0625 per block, which like I said, is $3,700 per month. So as of right now, there's about a 50% deficit between the amount of buybacks and the actual inflation print. Um, so I think in this proposal, what we should do is if this proposal goes through, since the protocol and liquidity and the multi-token bridge is earning so much more than that inflation print, I think what we should do is basically close that deficit gap and say, okay, the VEX Polyco buybacks will continue at $2,000 per month. And then that deficit is $1,700. So then uh, the Dow should buy back that $1,700 difference and maybe just deploy it in a liquidity pool or just sit on the extra polycub uh, and put that into protocol and liquidity. Uh, and then basically we're removing from, we're removing 100% of the inflation from the supply, if you think about it, because uh, the money that gets deployed to VEX polycub, that, that $2,000 a month, VEX polycub is locked for another 628 days, like basically over a year and a half. Um, and then if the protocol and liquidity soaks up polycub and doesn't sell any polycub, which it won't, um, then, then I think what we're, what we're going to see is you're basically just, you're paying yield to people, but then you're buying back more than that yield is being paid. Um, so that's important. And then, you know, something that we've talked about with cub, which I think is something important that we realized is escape velocity. And if you look at the last cub report, we had the speculative escape velocity escape velocity defined as um, buying back the cub Dow buying back more cub than is being sold to the market because LPs are not going to sell hundred percent of their earnings. They're going to sell some percentage, whether that's 99% or 9.9%. LPs are going to sell some percentage of their earnings, but not hundred percent of inflation hits the market. So basically what we need to do is earn more than the inflation that is hitting the market, not necessarily the inf inflation that's being printed. So uh, I actually think that we've achieved this on Cub, which is why I say that Cub has become so successful as of late. Um, and you know, if you if you look at Cub, the price has basically been slowly basing up. It's creating it's creating higher lows if you look at it, um, and that that is an important indicator that the Dow is actually creating those higher lows because it's buying back so much cub every day that it's, it's actually buying back more cub every day than is being sold to the market by LPs. So I think the same thing can happen on polycub right now. I'd say it's, it's probably pretty close uh, with just the VEX polycub buybacks, which is why the polycub price hasn't dropped below where it's at now. Uh, but um, you know, if you add in that deficit, I think we can, I think we can actually start to create those higher lows, kind of like Cub is doing. But a bit a big key piece of that is growing multi-token bridge uh, revenue, which is grown through having liquidity. And if all of our liquidity disappears because um, you know the APYs keep dropping, I don't think that's good. Um, and like he's saying, no need to use all the revenue, keep some for growth and liquidity providing. Yeah, I think what we should do is 
have the Vex Poly Cup buybacks continue, obviously. Um, but then that deficit that, you know, because right now it would be a, you know, about $1,700 deficit. The protocol and liquidity should buy back that $1,700 deficit every single month and deploy that into liquidity pools and grow liquidity. So focus on growing the PHBD uh, polycub and the PHI polycub pools and focus on continually growing and growing that liquidity, which ultimately leads to more multi-token bridge revenue, which ultimately leads to a higher capacity for covering that deficit. Because if you were, like, let's say that, like right now, the multi-token bridge and protocol and liquidity is earning five times the inflation print of Polycup every month. So if the if the Polycup price 5Xs, that means that the, the protocol and liquidity and multi-token bridge is now earning one-to-one -one equal with how much is being minted through inflation in dollar value terms. So the capacity for covering that deficit is now decreased. So if the Polycup price 10Xs from 5 cents to 50 cents, now we can't cover that deficit anymore because the multi-token bridge and the protocol and liquidity aren't earning enough. Obviously, this is, you know, ceteris paribus, everything remaining equal where, um, where you know, the, the liquidity in those multi-token bridge pools doesn't increase. But we obviously know that if the price 5 or 10x is, uh, APY is 5 or 10x, so liquidity increases, multi-token bridge revenue increases, protocol and liquidity increases, everything increases, number go up, everything's good. Um, so, you know, that's, that's things remaining equal. What would be a lot better is if liquidity grows slowly and we create those higher lows continuously. Um, that, that's really important. Protocol and liquidity has grown since the beginning, but it, it, you know, the growth has really stopped. It's, it's really dropped off a cliff in terms of, it, it's not declining, but it's not growing at the rate that it was uh, just because the APYs just keep drying up. So I think it's really important that we base off with this proposal and create the same environment that's being created on Cub, uh, which is so, so far very successful on Cub. Uh, I think when we when we post that next Cub burn report, you're gonna see, I mean, I think uh, on the order of almost half a million Cub is, is, has been burned this month, or, or and I've, we still have a couple of days left. So, you know, by the end of the month, almost half a million Cub gets burned this month, which is somewhere around 50% of the uh, inflation print uh, for Cub. So, um, I think Cub has proven a lot of things that work, and we should take that and adapt it to Polycub. And that is my rant. I'm dropping slash uh, rant. There you go. I just dropped the link for the learn more about it when you vote, and I'm putting that in the recap as well. Read the details of proposed changes. Yeah, so if anyone, I mean, really wants to circle back and kind of review a lot of what Cal just talked about, you know, hit that learn more tab on the governance uh, vote page. And uh, it's got much of the information detailed for you. Yeah, we spent a lot of time thinking about this and obviously the whole Cub DAO launch was a big experiment for us to see if that static rate of inflation was a good idea. Um, and so far it's a very good idea um, if you look at the growth of Cub's uh, multi-token bridge. So I think, I think we've realized that this is the right path forward or the best path. But like I said, all up to Vex Polycub, X Polycub holders. So if you agree with what I just said, 
then uh, make sure you click learn more and then vote for the for the improvement proposal. There's only two days left, so it ends on this Thursday. And I, I mean, it's been up for almost two weeks and I think only about 15 people have voted. So real quick, I'm, I, I literally just scroll to the bottom of the learn more page and then it says, you know, three options, keep it the same, 0 0.25, you know, increase it to 0 0.35, increase no, it to you're, 0 you're looking at PIP2 now. Oh, I'm looking at PIP2, oh, oops. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, I scrolled, I just scrolled down. <laughs> PLDR. Maybe we should add a little divider or something to that. Oh yeah, that was edited. Yeah, that ended July 22nd, sorry. No, you're good. Oh no, there's a header there. I just scrolled to the bottom figure and that's where, gotcha. So yeah, this shows you have shift to the static inflationary model, continue on the happening path. All right, cool, yeah, PIP three. All right, so yeah, it's actually not TLDR, it's you know, only a half a page. So yeah, yeah, it's not super, not super long. Anyone that's gonna, uh, well, anyone that's got uh, Vex Poly should be uh, checking it out and deciding on uh, which way to cast their vote because that's the whole point of holding governance token is to have your say. So yeah. don't be a citizen and not vote. Hashtag what I do when it comes to U.S. politics. But right on. All right, cool. Uh, I don't know why you saying that doesn't work. I'm literally on the page. Works for me. I just clicked on it. I don't know. Weird. I just clicked on my link that is in Discord as well, and it works. Don't know That's what to tell you. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So, I mean, I kind of covered the big question of the day. Took us down a little rabbit hole there with uh, talking about Vex Poly and whatnot. So that's good. Yeah, I would love to see a lot of people vote and have good participation on that one. That's probably, like I said, one of the biggest proposals we'll have for Polycub. Um, extremely important. Yeah, my free BTC. I just said we're going to have a dev meeting right after this. We have it scheduled for some Cub stuff too. So uh, I'll take a look. Um, see you later, Nifty. Yep. Um, all right, cool. So with that said, uh, I mean, shit, general crypto market talk, really, I feel like there's not much to talk about every uh, week. Things have been so quiet. Um, I'm not using Brave Browser, uh, Morton. I'm using Chrome. Don't make fun of me. Um, so yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Brave Browser for you. But yeah, um, I don't know if I'm going to do a couple minutes of crypto general market talk, because then I got to dip because I'm getting blown up with time sensitive stuff. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, in real life. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Bitcoin. Uh, Ethereum's up 9%. What are your Sweet. thoughts? I should probably buy more. I still like did not add to my Ethereum bag at all. I've added to Rune. I've added to Bitcoin. I don't know what it is about me and Ethereum. Like I hold some of Ethereum, but it's, you know, a little, it's tiny marginal amount. So how, in fact, most of my ETH is probably from a handful of uh, NFTs I hold. Yeah, I, uh, I hold a pretty solid amount of Ethereum. Um, I've had an Ethereum miner for a few years, and uh, obviously I no longer can mine Ethereum, so that sucks. Um, but yeah, I've got a decent bag of Ethereum. I was earning a bunch up until recently, and uh, I, I actually haven't switched Ethereum. my miner over. What's that? I, I had no idea you were mining Ethereum. 
Yeah, I had a I had a pretty pretty sizable rig uh, for a while now. Um, you know, well before even Leo and and all this stuff. So that was kind of my foray into earning crypto. Yeah, I never for some reason had like I was interested, but I guess not interested enough where I had the motivation to set up a mining rig. I just didn't want to deal with it, but I'm also not super technical, so but definitely kind yeah, of regret actually, it. <clears throat> yeah, I started it and then I ended up hiring somebody to manage the rig. Um nice. it doesn't require a lot of management, but yeah, uh, sometimes it did get pretty technical. You had to replace cards that uh, would blow out or, uh, you know, add some cooling to the system if it was getting too hot. Uh, I had a I had a room in a warehouse building um, for it. Obviously, it wasn't the whole warehouse, but it was a room. And uh, if you walked into that room, it was blistering hot. It was like a <laughs> it, it was actually an office. Sauna. And uh yeah, it was like an office space with like two rooms, like a conference room in it. So it was a sizable space. But when you walked in, it was like walking into a sauna. It was crazy. Uh, right now, all those rigs are just offline. Um, Morton Matt said, mine Ravencoin. How is the yield on mining Ravencoin compared to ETH? I, actually, I literally haven't had time yet to look into mining something else. I told uh, my friend who's, who's managing it for me to start looking into some stuff too. Uh, but I'm going to... I'm going to start doing some research as soon as I get a little free time. Um, send the link. Uh, huh. Interesting. I'll send this over to him. Twominers.com. Interesting. That is kind of cool. Yeah, I'll take yeah. a look. That's one good thing, I guess. I mean, mining's not always profitable, but you know, it's all about how do I kind of produce revenue or income, you know, when number not go up. So during these crypto winters, you know, between earning yields and or earning from mining, it's a way to still be net positive in the crypto space while yep. prices are suppressed and not going higher. And creating content on Hive, Leo Finance, Leo Threads. Earning. Yeah, exactly. This is the time. I built the vast majority of my portfolio uh, by mining and earning crypto through Leo Finance and Hive. Uh, throughout the last bear market, obviously it was steam back then, but uh, that's how I built a very large percentage of my crypto portfolio was through earning it during the bear market, uh, staking it, uh, earning more and more and more and compounding it. And then when we emerged in the bull market, things went to the moon. And then I started collecting my winnings. Oh yeah, it's all about stacking um, during the crypto winters, which is basically all I'm doing. Absolutely. <clears throat> Got to keep stacking for now and wait for the next ride up. All right. Uh, the Leo Finance uh, AMA recap post is up. The Let's link is dropped in the Leo TV chat. Coolness. Well, um, next week, 
y'all better have your questions prepared because you'll have the opportunity to go live on air with Cal because the cat will be out of the country and unavailable. So yep. uh, if you want to get your uh, voice time, be sure to have some kick-ass questions and uh, get on air. And then after that, uh, yeah, should be back to regularly scheduled programming. The 8th. Yeah, because next Tuesday is November 1st. So happy Halloween. Happy <laughs> Halloween. It is this weekend slash Monday. But uh, cool. That was uh, that was a good call. That was uh, We deep dive some stuff. That was cool. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad we uh, covered all that. And then definitely my uh, public service announcement is go vote for that uh, PIP3. We need uh, as many votes as we can get. Um, I think I made yeah. my stance pretty clear, but if you disagree with it, then uh, vote for the other option. Um, so yeah, I uh, was the benefits of a doubt. Get, get those votes out there. You got two days uh, left. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go talk to McSpadden and ask him what he thinks I should do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kid, I kid. But honestly, I'm gonna ping him. Like, bro, did you vote? So Thank actually, you, you know bro. what? Uh, no, that's good because I wouldn't have known. So I also, you know, I have a couple of my normies that have some a decent amount of vex, and you know, they're not, you know, active on Discord. So I'm gonna decide what my vote is, and then probably tell them to go do the same. Yeah, but as long cool. as your vote is number one, <laughs> I make no promises. The cat <laughs> is not controlled by influences. Okay. No doubt, guys. All right, cool. All right. Everyone have Sweet. a good one and. Uh, See you next time. Yep. Thank you. We'll see you next time.